it's I, this is so bizarrely racist this video it's like it's bizarre it's look at how wonderful all the not white people are mr reagan all right, so some group called The Intercept, I guess they make political videos or something, uh, they made this animated thing. It's like a sketch video thing. But before we get into that, I'd like to talk about something really special. Okay, you see this? This is a one ounce solid silver Donald Trump 2020 freedom coin. And you see this? This is a 10 ounce United We Stand bullion bar. This thing is heavy. <laughs> the craftsmanship on these things are incredible. Why am I showing these to you? Well, May is the month of Memorial Day. And my friends over at Noble Gold have agreed to offer all Patriots and Trump supporters an amazing deal. This is to celebrate uh, our president's exoneration in the Mueller report and his second year in office. As you can see on the coin here, on President Trump's watch, we've had the first major tax reform in 30 years, the lowest unemployment rate for 18 years, the fewest jobless claims since 1973 when Nixon was in office, and the Dow Jones at the highest level in history. And that is worth celebrating. The set of two silver specials come in at just $239, and Noble Gold is offering a further $30 off as a Memorial Day gift, and they're even throwing in a Trump-Pence 2020 bumper sticker. Use the link below in the description to get yours today and use the code MrReagan30 to get the 30% off discount. All right, now let's get back to debunking this ridiculous video. Ah, the bullet train from New York to DC. It always brings me back to when I first started making this commute. Okay, first of all, <laughs> she doesn't make any kind of a commute on public transportation. There was actually a famous incident about this, right? She takes jets. She certainly doesn't take a train or a bus or any other kind of public transportation. And yet she touts this environmentally conscious America. We've got to, you know, we've got to set this great example for the rest of the world. That's her, that's her actually, that's her answer when we ask her why America should enact the Green New Deal. Because pretty much every, pretty much everything I've heard about climate change, and even if it is a catastrophic, you know, world event that we should all be scared of, even if the United States cut all of their emissions today, it wouldn't make any difference to the climate. Suppose the United States closed everything and ceased to exist on this day, May 13th, 2015. No people, no cars, no industry, no utilities. Climate models tell us the result of this imaginary scenario in 50 years might be a few hundredths of a degree, an amount smaller than the amount by which the global temperature already bounces around from one month to the next. The impact would be so small as to be unattributable to regulations. Are you still saying that a, a single country is going to have an imperceptible, maybe no, even an no. immeasurable impact? Is that correct? Uh, that's correct. The emissions globally are so large compared to what a country has or what a single project would have. You would be spitting in the ocean is what you'd be doing. So then the question is, why should we do it? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the other climate alarmists, they always say, well, we need to set an example for the rest of the world. If we set the example, everyone else will follow. Well, first of all, that's not true. That, that, that's proven historically never to happen. Countries basically just do what's in their best interest. <laughs> no, 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 nobody says, 
oh, the United States is, is enacting environmental legislation. We should do it too. No, no, they're, they're not going to be the cleanest ones. We're going to be the cleanest ones. We're going to be the best. Um, I think maybe that happens with like the Scandinavian countries, but it certainly doesn't happen with China, uh, South America, Africa, um, the major polluters, the, the ones that we actually want to set the example for. Uh, they're not going to follow our lead. But the enormous hypocrisy here, the enormous hypocrisy is that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants the United States to be an example for the rest of the world, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself won't be an example to her constituency or to other Americans. So wh wh why the hypocrisy? Why? Well, the United States needs to do it, but I don't need to do it. I mean, to me, this is the essential uh, socialist idea of, well, the general public needs to all be on the same playing field. Everybody needs to be equal and oppressed. But um, the elite, well, we're, we're different. We, we don't actually, the rules don't actually apply to us. Uh, that, that, that seems to be Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's position. The, we need to set all these strict rules for everybody. Well, not me. Not me, obviously. I need to live in the world. I need to live in the world as it is. I think that's what she said. <laughs> oh, what a hypocrite. In 2019, I was a freshman in the most diverse Congress in history. I hate that she, I hate when people talk about this as if it's some kind of great victory. Oh, we're in a diverse Congress now. It's so much better than before. You know what you need? Diversity of ideas. You don't need diversity of ethnicity or culture or any of that kind of stuff. You need diversity of ideas. That's the only important diversity there is. And your new diverse uh, Congress, most of them all have exactly the same ideas because they're all puppets for the same group. Uh, brand new Congress and Justice Democrats. We know all about that. It was a critical time. Critical. It was critical. I'll never forget the children in our community. They were so inspired to see this new class of politicians who reflected them navigating the halls of power. <laughs> she, she really thinks the children are inspired by her. I, I, I would say that 99.9% .9 of all children have no idea anything about politics whatsoever. All right, Sienna, what do you think of Donald Trump? I don't know. So your mommy and daddy are Republicans, right? It's often said you can't be what you can't see. And for the first time, they saw themselves. It's often said you can't be what you can't see. That's funny. That's funny that that's often said because I've literally never heard that said. I mean, maybe maybe that's a thing amongst some circles. You know, obviously this stems from this idea that there are not enough ethnic minorities as leads in films in, in Hollywood, right? This is the, I don't, I've never heard anybody say you can't be what you can't see, but okay, fine. It rhymes. It's, you know, whatever. But I've always hated this idea that you, that little black girls need to see women like them in magazines and that little black boys need to see black superheroes like them. There's no way you could possibly be inspired as a black boy. You can't possibly be inspired by a white man. That's ridiculous. To that concept, I would say this. First of all, there are tons of successful black people real life successful black people and I, I guess for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez she would say like the Hispanic population needs to be more successful or something like that but you do have tons and tons and tons of Hispanic political leaders hundreds okay they're in South America the Latino political leaders that you can look up to don't have to necessarily be Americans, right? We can look up to people from other countries as well. The United States is predominantly white, so you're going to have predominantly white leaders to look up to. But then secondly, this idea that, you know, black Americans or Hispanic Americans or whatever don't have anybody to look up to in film and television. Tons of white kids love Bruce Lee, 
right? Tons of white kids love Bruce Lee. Uh, they learn martial arts because of Bruce Lee. In fact, actually, tons of black kids love Bruce Lee, and that's actually kind of like a thing, right? That's even like a cultural thing, Bruce Lee in the black community. I got to ask you, though, and I, I just because we're all Bruce Lee, but you know, Bruce was big in the black yes. community, so are you. Okay, that's great. That's cool. Um, he didn't have to be black for them to love him. You do not have to be the same color as somebody who you admire in order to want to be like them. You can be anything that you want. You don't have to have the same race of somebody you can't be what you can't see. It's so stupid. It's just a stupid thing to say. I mean, it's, to me, that's sort of, in some ways, that actually hamstrings people, right? If you tell them that, oh, kid, you can't look up to people because they're white or something like that, you know, you're, you're, ruining, you're ruining people's heroes, you know, just, just let people have whatever hero they want. Some white kids have black heroes. Some black kids have white heroes. It doesn't really matter. Okay, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you, you close my... Unbelievable. The left is so close-minded. So close-minded about so many things. It's just so silly. All right, let's, let's have a look here. I think there was something similar with the Green New Deal. We knew that we needed to save the planet and that we had all the technology to do it. But people were scared. But people were scared. No, nobody's scared, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. People think that you're being ridiculous is what the problem is. People disagree with you that there's imminent catastrophe. That's, that's the problem. People disagree with you. And this is, a, this is a common tactic on the left. They always say this. They always say, oh, a conservative, you're conservative. You, you don't want gay marriage. Are you scared? Of you? Are, what are you scared of? What are you scared of gay people getting married for? Or like women in college or women in um, fighting the wage gap or something like that, right? There's this idea that strong women intimidate men, right? The strong women, that men are afraid, <laughs> men are afraid to empower women or something like that, right? I hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. Is it not because men are insecure? They can't handle it? It's a weird tactic. I mean, it, it's great because it makes people on one side feel strong because they're like, oh, your enemies are weak. Your enemies are scared. They're cowering. They're afraid of us, right? But it's totally disingenuous. And I don't even think that the people who are saying it really believe it. I don't think the people who are listening to them really believe it. They all jump on the same bandwagon. They're all like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're scared. They're scared of us. <laughs> We're awesome. Uh, but they know it's not true. Every single one of them goes home knowing that what they just said was not true. But it's, it's what they, how they sort of jeer themselves up. Oh, yeah. Or jeer themselves up? Is that, a, is that an actual expression? I think I just made that up. They said it was too big, too fast, not practical. I think that's because they just couldn't picture it yet. And, and that's all what this video is about, right? Some, somebody had this idea, which is ridiculous, that if only conservatives could really picture, picture what the Green New Deal will, would do, well, then they'd all be for it. So let's, let's illustrate it for them. Let's make it real simple. Let's make it like a cartoon. You know, conservatives are like children. Let's make a cartoon. They'll, maybe they'll get it. Let's start with how we got here. 1977, New York. A senior scientist named James Black made a presentation about how burning fossil fuels could eventually lead to global temperatures rising four or five degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, oh yeah, Exxon knew this whole time, as did our politicians. So did Exxon listen to the science, including their own? Did they change business models, invest in renewables? No, the opposite. They knew and they doubled down. They and others spent millions setting up a network of lobby groups and think tanks to create doubt and denial about climate change. So this uh, little cartoon um, portrays any kind of contradictory ideas as somehow being engineered by big oil and the government. And, and so they're spending all this lobbyist money and I don't know, 
who these sort of like faceless goons are at this uh, board meeting. But, but uh, there's this big board meeting and all these people have decided to funnel all this money into a propaganda campaign to deny global warming, deny climate change, right? But that's not really how it's working. How, how it's working is there does t- tend to seem to be some kind of conspiring between certain kinds of climate scientists to say, we're going to squash any kind of dissenting voice. So our voice is going to be the only one heard. We're going to make sure that everybody believes that climate change is an imminent threat and that it's going to have catastrophic con- consequences. And this is not every climate scientist. This is just, you know, some you know, powerful people who, for whatever reason, think this is a good idea to make people scared about climate change. And then you have the skeptics that come out and they, you know, very bravely, in fact, um, they come out and they say, this is not legitimate. This is not real. These are scare tactics. And it's ridiculous that they're pumping it out there. And there are certain reasons, there's some motivations, and there's some intentions to scare the public about climate change. But you need to know the truth. And they come out at the risk of their own career. And they, they say very strongly, no, none of this is catastrophic. Maybe there is potentially some danger. We'll look into it. We'll find out. But there's no need to panic right now or to even change our behavior right now. Politicians went to bat for fossil fuels and these massive corporations kept digging and mining, drilling and fracking like there was no tomorrow. America became the biggest producer and consumer of oil in the world. Fossil fuel companies made hundreds of billions while the public paid the lion's share to clean up their disasters. (laughs) Okay. So much of this is just not true. It's ridiculous. I'm not going to go over every single lie that she states in this video. Um, I mean, fracking for one. Um, even one of the Democratic candidates is is like super pro-fracking. I think it's Hickenlooper um, is really pro-fracking because there is nothing bad about fracking. They The way they've illustrated it, they've made it look like they're destroying the earth, right? There's all these cracks that... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's not a well-researched video. It's just, you know, progressive talking point after progressive talking point. It's ridiculous. We lost a generation of time we'll never get back. Entire species will never get back. Natural wonders gone forever. The, 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 the rhino, the rhino is endangered and maybe some of them are extinct because of poaching. It's not anything to do with climate change or the environment. I don't know what she's, oh my God. This is such a disingenuous video. I mean, it's so it's so fraught with inaccuracies, distortions of truth. I mean, essentially lies. It's just lying throughout this video. It's incredible. And in 2017, Hurricane Maria destroyed the place where my family was from, Puerto Rico. Remember, it's not Hurricane Maria. It's Hurricane Maria. Maria. It's not Puerto Rico. It's Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. It was like a climate bomb. Climate bomb. It took as many American lives as 9-11. All right, let me be clear about this. Hurricanes have nothing to do with climate change. There is no increase in hurricanes. We've monitored them for 150 years. Uh, There is no increase in intensity or severity of hurricanes. So there is no link there. So if someone stands up in Congress, for instance, and says a hurricane was caused by human climate action, is that scientific or not? That is not scientific. Okay, thank you. And in the next year, when I was elected to Congress, the world's leading climate scientists declared another emergency. They told us that we had 12 years left to cut our emissions in half, or hundreds of millions of people would be more likely to face food and water shortages, poverty, and death. 
Notice what she says here. She doesn't actually say 12 years to cut emissions in half or else everybody's going to die. She says 12 years to cut emissions in half or else millions of people will be more likely to face food and water shortages. But first of all, that's not necessarily true. And secondly, even if it if were true, we don't actually know the actual impact. She's presenting this very vague threat. Okay, but but first first of all, after, you know, in 12 years, most impoverished nations are growing out of poverty currently, right? They're getting better, better and better and better. So in 12 years, they're going to be even better than they are today. So even if you had some kind of climate change that did cause some kind of food or water scarcity, that'll probably be nullified by their growing economies and advancements in technologies. I mean, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it will actually make it harder for them. And maybe we should cut emissions for their sake. But still, it's not going to be just America. It would have to be everyone in the world. And we can't regulate everybody in the world. So everything that she's saying here is contingent upon huge amounts of speculation and a coordination, a worldwide coordination that will never happen. So it's really, it's, I mean, it's always better, I think. It's always better to focus on technological advancement and economic prosperity in order to bring these people to a point of safety as opposed to you know, restricting what everyone else in the world does. It's, her solution is absurd, and the problem that she's stating probably doesn't even exist. 12 years to change everything. Okay. How we got around, how we fed ourselves, everything. how we made our stuff, how we lived and worked, everything. I love the bloody red the line. The only that she way puts to there. do it was to transform our economy which we already knew was broken since the vast majority of wealth was going to just a small handful of people. And most folks were falling further and further behind. Okay, that, that is, that's kind of, um, what she's saying here is true in a way, but it's hugely deceptive. Okay, so indeed, a lot of wealth is in the hands of the very few in the world. Um, but the vast majority of people aren't falling behind in the same way that she's suggesting here. I mean, she, what she says is true, but it's true in a very specific way. So let's say you have the top tier and they're going up quite quickly. And then you have the bottom tier and they're going up quite slowly. Now, the good thing is, the good news is, everybody's going up, right? Everybody's getting better. Everybody's getting more prosperous and happier and healthier and all that kind of stuff. The bad news is they're not all growing equally. So as the richer get richer, the poorer also get richer, but maybe they're not getting richer at the same rate. So she calls that falling behind. That's not really falling behind. I mean, it is falling behind in the sense that the, the gap between the rich and poor is growing. But that's because the richer are getting ridiculously rich. The poorer are also getting richer. They're just not getting ridiculously richer, right? So they're not just not getting, they're just not growing at the rate that she wants them to grow. They're not growing at the rate I would want them to grow. They're not growing at the rate anyone would want them to grow. And so we should do something about that. But she's suggesting that, like, the rich are getting rich and the poor are getting poorer. But that's not true. But that's, that is the idea that people get when they see something like this, right? They've worded it in such a way where it's true, but the the message that they're expressing is not accurate. What people are perceiving from this message isn't accurate. They're being deceptive. It's very tricky what they're doing. Lots of people gave up. They said we were doomed. But some of us remembered that as a nation, we'd been in peril before. The Great Depression, World War II. We knew from our history how to pull together to overcome impossible odds. <laughs> this, this idea of connecting the Green New Deal to World War II is so annoying because 
in World War II, we had a threat that we all agreed was a threat. We all agreed that there needed to be some sacrifice made to go ahead and stop this threat, right? At first, we were actually torn about going into World War II, right? The nation was divided. We didn't want to join the war. Some of us thought that we should out of duty, but a lot of us thought, let's just stay out of it. Let's be isolationist. Let's be like Switzerland. But then the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, and we were thrust into the war, right? We were forced to join the war. And that attack on Pearl Harbor unified the country. But it was something that was organic. It was something that was natural. Everybody agreed, right? It wasn't like the Green New Deal, where this very small minority of the population is absolutely convinced that something needs to be done in 12 years or else the world's going to explode. And the rest of us just kind of look at them and think, you're all nuts, right? <laughs> like, they want us to galvanize around their idea in the same way we galvanized around the idea of going to war in World War II. And that would be lovely. I mean, I want the whole world to galvanize around my ideas, too, just like they did in World War II. And, you know, I would love to promote that as a beautiful idea. And that's why they get excited, right? They get excited because we've done it before. We can do it again. Right, we will do it again. We will do it again. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, we're all going to galvanize together uh, in a unified America toward some common goal. But it's not going to be your goals, okay? It's not going to be the Green New Deal, all right, we will do that, okay, but it's not, it's not going to be your little pet project. You're not the little, you know, puppet master that's going to control all of us. You're actually the puppet. To me, it takes a lot of arrogance to be able to say that it's my idea that the whole world needs to galvanize around just like World War II. World War II wasn't any one person's idea, right? It was just something that happened in the world that we had to join, we had to become a part of. Um, the Green New Deal is an idea, and you want us to galvanize around it because why? because we like you, because you're charming, because you made a little cartoon. No, it's not going to happen. All right, lady? No, nobody's going to galvanize around your idea in the United States, much less the whole world. You're crazy. You're not just crazy. You're crazy arrogant. You're crazy arrogant to think that you are going to galvanize the world around your idea. It's, it's so stupid. If you have a good idea, if you really had a good idea, we'll all join. We'll all be galvanized around it. Work on your ideas, come up with something good, and then we'll be galvanized. The wave began when Democrats took back the House in 2018, and then the Senate and the White House in 2020, and launched the decade of the Green New Deal. <laughs> oh, they're dreaming now. Now they're getting to fantasy land. I love it. A flurry of legislation that kicked off our social and ecological transformation to save the planet. It was the kind of swing for the fence ambition we needed. Finally, we were entertaining solutions on the scale of the crises we faced without leaving anyone behind. That included Medicare for All, the most popular social program in American history. We wow. also introduced the federal jobs guarantee, wow. a public option including they dignified really living world. wages for work. Funnily enough, the biggest problem in those early years was a labor shortage. We were building a national smart grid, retrofitting every building in America, putting trains like this one all across the country. Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all, if we use California as an example, um, we know that this high-speed rail thing is a disaster, right? It's, it'll cost way too much money and it won't be used by enough people to justify the cost. It's just ridiculous. Um, the solar panel thing, okay, we all know solar panels are not very efficient. There's a million problems with windmills, and they're also not efficient enough. Look, I would say this. If they could design solar panels that were efficient enough to, to justify um, 
re retrofitting all of our electrical grid with you know these kinds of things, then I think everybody would be for it. But the technology is just not there yet. Once it gets there, we'll all be for it. Okay, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you don't have to convince us of solar panels. We all believe in solar panels. They just not, we just know that they're too expensive. They don't work well enough now, right? It's not it's look it's it's not a matter of do we think it's a good idea to go to renewable energy. We, we think that it's fine. It's fine. It's a great idea. We love it. But we got to get them efficient enough. We have to wait until the technology gets there. And it'll get there. I think it'll get there, right? But we got to wait a little while. Once it gets there, everybody will join, jump on the train, right? I remember um, in the early 2000s, maybe the mid-2000s, people were talking about how we've had electric cars for years. We've had hybrids for for decades, and it's just that the gas companies they, they don't want us to uh, <laughs> they don't want us to switch to electric because then they'll go out of business, right? And all the capitalists, all the uh, conservatives said, well, no, they actually don't have efficient um, and cost-efficient uh, versions of electric cars yet. Once the technology gets there, once the technology gets there, everyone will adopt it, right? That's what they said, and that's what's happening, right? Everybody loves Tesla. There's tons of Priuses out there. Hybrids and electric cars are very popular now, right? Because they're cost-effective and they're practical, right? Not everybody uses them because they can't drive across the country, you know, without having to recharge yet. But perhaps one day they'll get there and then people will, they'll, they'll take over, right? There will be no more um, combustion engines in cars. Maybe that'll happen, okay? But you have to wait till the te technology gets there. You can't push it. You can't force people to do things that don't make sense for them. We needed more workers. That group of kids from my neighborhood were right in the middle of it all, especially this one girl, Ileana. Her first job out of college was with AmeriCorps Climate, restoring wetlands and bayous in coastal Louisiana. Most of her friends were in her union, including some oil workers in transition. AmeriCorps they took apart old climate. pipelines oh, and wow. got to work planting mangroves with the same salary and benefits. Of course, when it came to healing the land, we had huge gaps in our knowledge. Luckily, indigenous communities offer generational expertise to help guide the way. Oh, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Oh, boy. Okay. How do I even, where do I even start with this? Luckily, the indigenous people came and helped us heal the land <laughs> with their brilliant expertise. Their brilliant expertise. What, what is this? What is this? native person holding they're holding like a palm frond and teaching this this girl from the bronx how to heal the land okay i guarantee i guarantee if there's ever like a polluted area of the country bringing in tribesmen to tr to tell us how to fix it is not going to help okay <laughs> you need to bring in like ecologists and chemists and people like that this is this this is the most stupidest <laughs> stupid, most stupidest. I like most stupid. This is the most absurd pandering I've ever seen ever in my life. This is just, this is almost, this is almost patronizing, right? It's like uh, the noble savage will come and they'll save us <laughs> because of their cultural traditions and their mystical knowledge. <laughs> this is crazy. Ileana got restless. Tried her hand as a solar plant engineer for a while, but eventually made her career in raising the next generation as part of the Universal Child Care Initiative. As it turns out, caring for others is valuable, low-carbon work. 
and we started paying real money to folks like teachers, domestic workers, and home health aides. This is great. I love this. I love this. We don't even need families anymore. Why do we need mothers? We got the universal child care initiative. We take all of our kids. That's fantastic. I mean, kids are trouble, right? They're dirty. Who really likes the kids? Nobody likes kids. We'll just send them to this universal child care initiative uh, institute thing, and we'll let these random people from the Bronx take care of all of our kids for us. That's a great idea. Yeah, I love that. Those were years of massive change, and not all of it was good. When Hurricane Sheldon hit southern Florida, parts of Miami went underwater for the last time. <laughs> Part of Miami went underwater for the last time. This is this is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez broadcasting from the future telling you exactly what's going to happen because it's so funny because the left often says that that this climate science stuff isn't about scare tactics, right? It's really just about what's going to happen and we need to have rational solutions but it's all emotional it's all emotional nonsense it's all about f- fear-mongering and like you know trying to make people feel guilty and trying to make people feel good because they because they donated to some like cause or something you know oh we're gonna save the planet come on it's just emotional nonsense you, you just <laughs> so stupid. but as we battled the floods fires and droughts We knew how lucky we were to have started acting when we did. And we didn't just change the infrastructure. We changed how we did things. We became a society that was not only modern and wealthy, but dignified and humane, too. By committing to universal rights like health care and meaningful work for all, we stopped being so scared of the future. We stopped being scared of each other. And we found our shared purpose. This is the most bizarre part of the video. They drawn the faces of a bunch of not white people and then said that we've stopped being afraid of each other and found a unifying purpose. Is that what she said? Unifying purpose? It's, I, this is so bizarrely racist, this video. It's like, it's bizarre. It's, look at how wonderful all the not white people are. This video has um, a little over 500,000 views. Which I'm actually surprised. I'm actually surprised it doesn't have more. Um, this the Intercept uh, channel has uh, about ninety-eight thousand subscribers, so that may account for it. They don't have like a huge subscriber base, but still, I'm surprised. You know, I'm surprised. But I guess that just goes to show people are kind of sick and tired of hearing the same crap all the time. Ileana heard the call too, and in 2028, she ran for office oh no. in the first cycle of publicly oh no. funded election campaigns. Oh no, Ileana, and now she run. occupies the seat that I once held. I couldn't be more proud of her, a true child of the Green New Deal. When I think back to my first term in Congress, riding that old school Amtrak in 2019. She's never ridden an old school Amtrak. I, I don't even think even once. I think she, they just made that up for this video to make her sound like a down to earth person. You've never ridden public transportation, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, maybe before, maybe before you were a congresswoman. Riding that old school Amtrak in 2019, all of this was still ahead of us. And the first big step was just closing our eyes and imagining it. We can be whatever we have the courage to see. Wow, that was unbelievably painful. Um, (laughs) All right, well, okay. So this is the kind of propaganda that they're putting out there. I I actually think that this kind of thing 
is attractive to like high school students and stuff like that, which I think is particularly bad. I think the Democrats are just so way ahead of us when it comes to promoting our ideas, right? Democrats basically can have convinced everybody that if you are sympathetic to vulnerable people, you should be a Democrat, right? So if you want ethnic minorities not to be oppressed, if you want women to you know, make the same amount of money as a man, if you want uh, gay people to be able to get married, if you want you know, to save the environment, all these things, um, it, it, you know, if you want to help out immigrants, poor immigrants that live in uh, you know, poor countries, um, all these things, you have to be a Democrat, right? That's, that's what the Democrats tell you. And we have a huge problem on the Republican side because they've been effective in convincing everyone that if you, you know, that all the Republicans want are to help out the rich people, right? And screw the poor people, right? But that's not really what Republican ideas um, are there for. They're, Republican ideas are there to help the vulnerable, right? We want to help business, not just for the business owner, but for the employee and for the person who doesn't have a job that could potentially work for that business, right? We need businesses to grow and expand so that they can pay their workers more and they can hire more employees. Um, I talked to my brother about this the other day and I was talking about that stuff and he said, you know what? Everything I do, my whole job is to go out and try to get more uh, business for our company so that I can pay my employees more. That's my whole focus, right? Because I want to get the best and I want to retain the best. And I want to have as many employees as I can. And I want to treat them all well so that they're all happy. They're all producing the best products uh, for our company, right? And that's his mentality. That's his whole focus. And that's the mentality of pretty much every business owner around the country. And this idea that, that business owners only want to make money for themselves and hoard it uh, and they don't care about their employees or, or other people that they could potentially bring in to be new employees. It's ridiculous. People just don't know how business works, so they demonize it, and they say, we, business is bad. You know what's good? Is government programs, right? The child care initiative or whatever she was saying. Um, it's just ridiculous, okay? If you want to really help poor people, if you want to really help the most vulnerable in our society— you will be a Republican. Well, that's it for me. If you like this video, hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, you probably just don't understand how capitalism works. Good night. We have so many people who can't see a fat man standing beside a thin one without coming to the conclusion the fat man got that way by taking advantage of the thin one. The trouble with our liberal friends is not that they're ignorant. It's just that they know so much that isn't so. Now, 